This is the Tao of Christ, and I am Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. Others call it non-dual awareness, liberation, enlightenment, or spiritual awakening. It is the heart of all spiritual traditions. This is the Tao of Christ. Good afternoon, this is Marshall Davis. There is one question I am asked very often. In various ways, people ask what they can do to help themselves wake up. It's a good question, but unfortunately it cannot be answered in the way that people want it answered. People want me to give them some special insight that will suddenly open things up for them. Or they want me to recommend a spiritual practice, or a book, or a technique. They want some method, or some steps that they can take. The reality is there's nothing that we can do to wake up, because the self that is asking this question cannot wake up. One wakes up from the self, and the self cannot do that. There's nothing that we can do to wake up because what we truly are is already awake. It's just a matter of of noticing this and identifying with this self, shifting our attention to this reality of what we in the universe really is. And yet, People still want to do something. You can't just sit around and hope you get it one day and do nothing. That's why the Buddha gave his disciples the Eightfold Path. It gave his followers something to do. Jesus likewise gave his followers something to do. He told them to follow him, to watch him. He told them to seek. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, to him who knocks the door will be opened. I think Jesus was saying the same thing Jesus, the Buddha meant in the Eightfold Path by right intent and right effort. There's nothing we can do to bring awakening about, and yet it seems that awakening is often preceded by certain practices, even though these practices do not cause awakening. In my book, Experiencing God Directly, I mention two practices. I call them self-inquiry and God-inquiry. Self-inquiry is best known as the way of Ramana, Mahashi. One inquires, who am I? Until one exhausts all the possibilities, all the false selves are eliminated, and one finally realizes true self or no self. It is like the way of Sherlock Holmes who in solving a case said, when you have eliminated all which is impossible, then whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. This way of self-inquiry seems to be an effective method for Westerners, and I think that's because we are so wrapped up in the self. 
In the book, I have another chapter on a second way I call God Inquiry. This approach can be very helpful to religious people. People from theistic backgrounds, like Christians, can ask the question, who or what is God? We go on this relentless search for true God. I took this path, ruthlessly deconstructing my Christian religion with the help of the new atheists and some old atheists until I saw through the false gods that Christianity and all religions create. When one smashes all mental idols, one finally is left with nothing, and in that nothing one sees God that is not a thing. God beyond God, being itself, ground of being, God beyond all mental images. There's a third way, which I would like to talk about today. I'm calling it life inquiry. In the Hebrew scriptures, this wisdom path is represented by the book of Ecclesiastes, after the famous Vanity of Vanities prologue of the book. The author starts off his book saying this, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. He goes on to say, I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. That sums up the message of the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes relentlessly searches for meaning in all the activities and possessions and values of the world, including power and pleasure and learning, and he comes up empty. Now that may sound discouraging, but it can pave the way, prepare the way for awakening. Ecclesiastes is traditionally attributed to Solomon. Although the book does not say that, and there's no biblical scholar outside of fundamentalism who really believes that Solomon wrote it. In the book, the author is called in Hebrew, Kohelet, traditionally translated as the teacher or the preacher, which is maybe why I identify with him. The Latin translation of Kohelet is Ecclesiastes, and hence the name of the book. Most biblical scholars date Ecclesiastes to the third century before Christ, many centuries after King Solomon. Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's right up there with the book of Job. I come back to this book during difficult times of life more than any other. The book is an autobiographical account of a man looking for the meaning of life, which is one of the major themes of the wisdom literature. He engages in what I'm calling life inquiry. He examines everything about his life and others' lives. In the book, he observes repeatedly that life is suffering. He says, for example, for all his days are full of sorrow, echoing the Buddha's first noble truth that life is suffering. Ecclesiastes' conclusion is that life is hebel to use the Hebrew word, a word which means emptiness, meaningless, temporary, transitory, fleeting, mere breath, mist. It echoes the, the Buddhist idea of impermanence, transitory nature of life. The preacher Ecclesiastes is searching for, for truth, for meaning and purpose. He's looking for that which does not pass away. 
He's looking for liberation from this meaninglessness and the transitory nature of earthly existence. He's looking for that which is real and permanent. He's looking for ultimate reality. Unfortunately, this process did not result in what we would call enlightenment or awakening. And that's important to note because it shows us that there is no foolproof method. Instead, the preacher's search results in something much more like what we might call Stoicism, like what we would find in Seneca or Marcus Aurelius, and that's a profound philosophy, but it's not spiritual awakening. For that reason, some find the book of Ecclesiastes depressing. I find it refreshingly honest. I think we all feel like Ecclesiastes at some time in our lives. Today is often called depression, but instead of accepting the, the truths that depression can reveal for us and teach us, too often it is quickly labeled as dangerous and as mental illness and as treated so that we can get happy again without learning the secrets of it. Now I'm not suggesting here that you get off your meds. There is such a thing as clinical depression that needs to be treated. It can kill people. It has killed people that I have known and loved. If you are thinking of harming yourself, please get help immediately. I just read a blog yesterday, actually, by Justin Foster that talked about this and he distinguished between what he calls meltdowns and waking up and it's a good distinction he has a podcast too called the third way now if you're having a meltdown please get help but if you're having an existential crisis then see it through kathleen norris has a wonderful book on this process called acedia in me she uses that ancient term for what was called melancholy or a dark night of the soul she calls this soul weariness and she sees it as holding great spiritual treasure there is a soul weariness like what ecclesiastes describes there's something to teach us and we should learn its lessons it reveals the emptiness of life, the illusory nature of life. And if we persevere, it can lead us through into spiritual awakening. The preacher of Ecclesiastes seems to have gotten stuck in this emptiness of life, and it did not result in spiritual awakening. But in Job, the other major wisdom book of the Hebrew scriptures, it does result in awakening or enlightenment. I have described the enlightenment of Job in another episode, so I'm not going to repeat it here at length. I'll simply say that Job starts off rich and happy, but then he goes through tremendous suffering and, and grief. He loses everything. He loses his family. and He goes through physical trauma. He loses his possessions. He loses his, his health. The preacher Kohelet, Ecclesiastes, did not lose anything physically. He had everything, but everything became worthless to him. He went through an existential crisis, and he made peace without, without going beyond it. And maybe that's the difference. Job was not willing to make peace with it. Job railed against God 
demanded God show God's self, demanded God reveal God's true nature. Kohelet didn't. Furthermore, Kohelet didn't give up everything voluntarily for this search, like Buddha did, and like Jesus did. Maybe that's the difference. Buddhist tradition says that Siddhartha was a prince who had everything and was protected from seeing anything bad. And then one day he saw it all, what are called the, the four sights, which led Siddhartha to voluntarily give up everything he had for the spiritual search. The preacher of Ecclesiastes did not do that. He thought he could have the world and the kingdom of God, to use Jesus' term. So like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus seeking eternal life, he could not give it up. So he went away sorrowful, the Gospel says. Ecclesiastes and Job model the way of life inquiry. Job actually combines it with God inquiry. He's constantly looking for God. When you find God, you find self, true self. That's self-inquiry. And these three ways that I'm talking about here can be combined in your life in any way that works. But no matter which way you choose, or rather which way chooses you, they all point to what we might call non-dual reality. They all deconstruct this false reality, this fabricated mental world that we have created, these stories that we tell about ourselves and about life and about God. That deconstruction is something that we can start now. It's something you can do. It's the only thing you can really do that will help at all. This ruthless investigation of every worldly and religious and spiritual and philosophical fantasy that humankind has created prepares the way for awakening. By doing this one sees through all that is that is as impermanent, ultimately illusion. When, when one relentlessly pursues truth at all cost, that is what Jesus called taking up the cross. And then, going to the Christian story, the curtain of the Holy of Holies is torn in two. One sees beyond the veil, the world and the divine open to each other, they merge. To use Jesus' words, one sees and one enters the kingdom of heaven. That is spiritual awakening. And that is it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ.